Well, thank you to our small, socially distanced, mixed ensemble that we have this morning. Uh, glad that, that you were able to, to sing that Longing for Light, We Wait in the Darkness. That's an Advent song right there. Um, that is, that is the, the message of Advent, um, which we will be talking about in just a moment. I was sharing with Pastor Phil and with Marcus before uh, the service started that Nothing gets me as excited to preach as Advent does, so I'm really excited to get to share with you this morning. Uh, and our scripture is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, starting at the very beginning of the Gospel, uh, reading the first eight verses. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As an illustration this morning, I want to begin by contrasting some lyrics from some popular songs that are heard this time of year. Now, this idea was sparked by an observation from Advent theologian extraordinaire Fleming Rutledge, who, if you've been in this church for any period of time, you've heard me quote during Advent. I can't help but come back to her each year during Advent. So she's the one who made this observation, and it kind of sparked this idea in my head to contrast these two songs uh, with a specific question in mind. So I want you to be thinking about this question as we look at these two song lyrics. The question is, what brings hope in this song? Where is the hope found in this song? What brings the hope in, in the message that is in the song? So the first song is, is perhaps uh, the most sung Advent song in churches, uh, or one of two, certainly. O come, O come, Emmanuel. So here's the first verse and then the refrain. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to you, O Israel. The verse paints a picture of Israel, the people of God, in captivity. They're described as mourning, lonely, and in exile until the Son of God comes. The, the verse has a lot of these minor chords that create a somber, almost a haunting melody. The refrain has a melody that's much more joyful, and the lyrics demand rejoicing from people who are mourning and lonely and in exile. Because Emmanuel shall come. Shall. 
It's a promise of a future that the coming of God will happen. So where is the hope? The hope is that in the midst of their current suffering, in the midst of the mourning and the loneliness, in the midst of the exile, even in the midst of all of that, there is cause for rejoicing. Because a future promise can be trusted. The hope is not that all of this suffering will just go away. The hope is that you can rejoice now in the midst of it because of your trust in the promise. Okay, so let's contrast that with another song lyric. It goes like this. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. The song goes on to also say our troubles will be, you know how that line ends, miles away. The song is as cheery as it gets. It was written in 1944 for a Judy Garland movie that I've never seen called Meet Me in St. Louis. But listen to how this song came to be. First, the songwriters came up with this melody that they fell in love with and really struggled with writing some lyrics. And when they finally got some lyrics to this song, they brought it to the, the producers of the movie and to Judy Garland, and she refused to sing it because it was too sad. She said it needed to be happier. So they had to rewrite it and rewrite it until it was happy enough for her to sing. So it's a happy song. But what brings hope in the song? The song acknowledges troubles, but it insists that they are all out of sight and miles away. The problem is there's no explanation as to how the troubles will get from here to there. There's no explanation as how the troubles will get so far away. The song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, leaves the listener or the singer in the midst of the troubles, offering no immediate way out of them, but offers hope by trusting the promise that the Son of God will appear, that Emmanuel shall come to thee. While Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas attempts to offer hope with empty promises that troubles will magically be far away. Now, Advent is my favorite season of the church. In Advent, we are reminded of the importance of taking time to acknowledge the troubles and proclaim the hope that exists in the midst of them. Advent makes no empty promises that our troubles will magically be miles away. It stares them in the face and rejoices in their midst. But you see, the church as a whole has largely abandoned the season of Advent in place of an extended period of Christmas. The traditional Advent season might be a time when the church is most relevant in the lives of people who are searching for hope. See, this week I did a funeral for a man who died from COVID. 
His family members aren't members here. They moved here this year and have been unable to connect with the church because how do you connect with the church in the middle of this pandemic? They were heartbroken. They were in the midst of some very real present troubles. Proclaiming that their troubles are miles away would have offered no hope. The message we need to hear during Advent is that even in the midst of the troubles, we rejoice because Emmanuel shall come to us. When I was in high school, my church youth group put on a musical. We did it two years in a row. And my mom was the choir director of our youth group choir, and she helped organize this, this musical. And as you can imagine, um, it's hard to get high schoolers, especially high school boys, to volunteer to sing in front of people or to, to do much of anything. Uh, but I participated in this and was convinced um, to play the part of John the Baptist the first year we did it. The second year we did it, I was convinced to play the part of Jesus and had a giant afro to go with it um, that we can post pictures on Facebook later for. But the first year I played John, the part of John the Baptist, uh, and actually it is a, a terrifying role to play. If you have seen the musical, then you know that right near the very beginning, there's an iconic moment when John the Baptist just out of nowhere starts singing. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. As a high school student, I sang that with no background music. Nobody knew I was about to do it. I had to start in the back of the sanctuary. Dead silence. People are waiting. When is this musical going to begin? And all of a sudden... 16-year-old-ish Jeremy in the back, nervous as all get out. After months of practice of people saying, you got to sing it louder, you got to sing it louder. Start a little higher because there's, this is too much range for you, but you can do it. Uh, and people were shocked. I had people on the edge of their seats. No doubt cringing a little bit about me being off-key. However, it fulfills the purpose of this moment. It's supposed to be a moment that is shocking and takes people by surprise. It's meant to evoke feelings of awkwardness. Some of you had those feelings a minute ago when I just started singing up here. Oh, how long is he going to do this? And at some level, some confusion about what is happening. Until this week, when I really started reflecting on the passage that I read a few moments ago about John the Baptist, I had heard it, I had heard the story, but I'd always imagined John the Baptist, you know, this really weird guy who's wearing weird clothes and eating weird things, and he, he kind of just appears out of nowhere in the desert. I've always imagined him coming out of the wilderness into the cities, or at least to the edge of the cities, and coming in and, and proclaiming his message, his singular message, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. That's his message. 
But this is not really the story that the Gospel of Mark, or Matthew, Luke, or John for that matter, describe to us. You see, John the Baptist is described as a voice crying out in the wilderness. He doesn't come from the wilderness to the cities where the people are. He cries out in the wilderness. The people who gathered to hear John speak and be baptized by him went to him. We're told they gathered in the wilderness. So what is the importance of this voice crying out in the wilderness? Why is it different than a voice crying out in the city or a voice preaching in the temple or town square? What comes to your mind when you hear the word wilderness? I think of a place that is harsh. A place that life can survive, but it doesn't really flourish. The wilderness is a place of emptiness and desolation. Throughout the biblical story, the wilderness is also a place where God meets his people. After God rescues the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, they camp at Mount Sinai in the wilderness and they meet with God there. They wander in the wilderness for 40 years as they are prepared by God to come into the promised land. The verse that all four of the Gospels reference in this John the Baptist story is from Isaiah chapter 40 that promises help will come to the Israelites when they are in exile, when they are in the wilderness. John the Baptist appears announcing the coming of the kingdom of God in the wilderness. And after Jesus is baptized by John, he is driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit as he prepares for his ministry to come. All four Gospels make reference to Isaiah 40 to reference John and his role as one preparing the way in the wilderness. Masses come to John and they repent of their sin and they are baptized there in the wilderness. In Advent, we are reminded of the importance of taking time to acknowledge the wilderness. Listen to another song lyric from a newer song that we've sung a few times at this church and we're going to sing here in just a moment from Andrew Peterson. It's called, Is He Worthy? As far as I know, this song was not intended as an Advent song. But it better reflects the season of Advent than any other song on the radio right now. Here's just the first two verses. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made new? We do. Is all creation groaning? It is. Is a new creation coming? It is. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? It is. 
And is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is. This is Advent. A time when we remind ourselves that in the midst of darkness, there is a light within our midst. And there is a promise of a new creation coming. The church must reclaim Advent. For too long, Christians have lamented the culture's war on Christmas when what has really happened is we ourselves have forsaken a season we need the most, Advent. The church cannot allow its message at this time of year to simply reflect the sentiment that our troubles will be miles away because that is not our reality and that is not the world's reality. Our troubles are not miles away. Our troubles are close at hand. Especially in a time of year when people are often cold, hungry, lonely, and in grief over the loved ones they cannot spend the holidays with. Advent is the time when we acknowledge that hurt. We acknowledge that pain. We acknowledge that wilderness. And we don't pretend as if it was miles away. Instead, we join the voice of John the Baptist directly in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord. And just as John pointed people to the one to come, so we point people to Jesus. We acknowledge the darkness in people's lives and then offer the message that there is a light that defeats the darkness. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for the season of Advent. We thank you that traditionally this is a time of year when it's okay to say, I'm in pain. I'm hurting. I feel like I'm alone in a desolate wilderness. God, we pray that this Advent, we will allow ourselves to take inventory of the dark. We will allow ourselves to stare at our hurt and our pain and proclaim your victory over it. Don't allow us just to cover it up with Christmas lights and trees and presents. Force us to do the hard work of staying in the wilderness and proclaiming the light that is to come. In Jesus' name, amen.